Good morning, Cornerstone family. It is good to be with you this morning. I bring you greetings from my, my family, Holly and our three kids who are up in Olympia, Washington, probably watching. Uh, they're connected with us through the video simulcast, so praise God for these, uh, these ways. You know, it wasn't a hard sell for the, uh, the leadership as I was talking with Clovis, talking me out or talking me into coming out, leaving uh, Olympia, Washington, rainy, yucky weather, coming down to Prescott, Arizona. Uh, you've got it good, praise God. So it is good to be here. Good to have my parents here with us this morning and, and all that. You know, as I was thinking about it, one of the few eternally significant things that we can do better on earth than we can in heaven is to share Christ with those who do not yet know him. To draw people to to Jesus Christ was really, well, it's the last charge that Jesus gave to his followers before he ascended back into heaven. And uh, it's going to be our focus in the book of Acts chapter 1 this morning. So I'd like to invite you to open in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. As we explore God's word together and and really look at what it means to be witnesses in the world. What it means to be witnesses in the world. As you're getting, turning there in your Bible, I wanted to share a story about a time when I was called upon to be a witness, to give a testimony to a series of events that I experienced. It happened many years ago. I was going to California State University, Chico, taking a wilderness leadership training course. And uh, the professor of uh, this class took this, the, the group of 30 of us students, young men and women, uh, on a, a number of different trips and gave us opportunities to practice uh, leadership skills. Well, on this particular trip, we were going in the wintertime to the Northern California coast. And, uh, and so we... Uh, as we took off, um, I came to find out that the professor uh, had a great deal of difficulty with my Christian faith, which he had come to find out as the course had gone on, and also my conservative moral stand. And so he decided he was going to take it upon himself to, to push me to see if he would be able to break me in some sort of way. And so it was, it was my turn to lead on this particular portion of the trip. And as we were driving along, he was in driving the van in, in front, and I was behind, and, and he began to swerve all over the road, pretending like he was drunk or something like that, putting the students in his van, in, as well as others, in, in great danger. And so I had to get him to pull over and had to remove him from that position of driving, have someone else drive. We got out to the, the coast. Later that day, and while the rest of us were gathered around a campfire trying to stay warm, he snuck off with one of the young girls in the class and uh, had her take off her clothes, sit down in the freezing cold ocean water until he induced hypothermia. Then he ran to get me and bring me over there to see how I would handle this somewhat compromising situation. Yeah, weird. What is up with that? Um, 
And the next day, he said, okay, class, we're going to build a, I think it's interesting that we have the Hutchcrafts here and, and the, with their work with the Native Americans, because he said, we're going to build a traditional uh, Native American sweat lodge. Okay, that's what we're going to do. I said, okay, uh, whatever. And he said, you just need to know that once we're done building the sweat lodge, uh, we're going to go in, all, the whole class, young men and women, going to take off all of our clothes and get the true cultural experience the way the Indians did it. And I said, that's weird. Come on. You know, I, okay, if you guys are going to do that, go ahead. I'm, I just won't be a part of it. And he said, oh, no, no, Eric. If you don't do it, you're going to deprive everyone in the class of this important cultural experience. And he got the other students putting pressure on me and, and these sorts of things. And well, long story short, um, I stuck to my guns. I, I did not participate. And uh, the sweat lodge never happened. And, um, and when we returned home... I was shortly thereafter called before a committee, including the university vice president, and, uh, and asked to give eyewitness testimony, to give, to give a witness to what I had experienced, what others had experienced there. And based upon that testimony and the testimony of others, that professor was immediately fired. Not every day that you go about firing a university professor, but... But that is, is what we're talking about with witness, is giving a testimony to what you know to be true. 2,000 years ago, friends, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on a cross. He rose from the dead. And that truth has forever changed your life and my life if we know Jesus Christ. Now, God calls us to be witnesses, witnesses to this fact, witnesses to the change that has happened in our lives through having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this leads us into our passage of, of Acts chapter 1. I'm going to invite you to follow along. You can look at one of the screens around. And uh, I'm going to go back up to the beginning of Acts chapter 1. And you can follow along in your Bibles reading from the ESV. Uh, version, starting with verse 1 of chapter 1 in Acts. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. What was that first book that, that he's referring to? The Gospel of Luke, okay? So he's the, the author here. He's referring to the first first book, that Gospel of Luke, where he talked about Jesus. He presented himself alive, verse 3, to them, after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them after 40, during 40 days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, our passage that we'll be focused on. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not 
for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Father, your word is powerful. Your word is true. Your word penetrates and divides to our our deepest parts. And through your word, your spirit changes us. Lord, that is our prayer this morning, that we would be changed by what you speak through your spirit in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, we're going to be focused on this central thought. God is calling us. You and me, friends, to be local and global witnesses of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to go verse by verse through this section. And I invite you to follow along. In fact, you, in your, your worship folder uh, bulletin, you should have a, uh, a flyer that you can fill in a few blanks. And uh, take some notes down that you can refer to a little bit later on. On the back side, there are some discussion questions. If you're participating in a small group, that's a great, great thing. Discusses the family together. The first point that we see here in our passage coming out of uh, verses 6 and 7 is that God determines ultimate issues. God is the one who determines ultimate issues and we must trust in him. We see this in verses 6 and 7. Just to give a bit of the context, Jesus has risen from the dead. You remember in the previous verses, it talks about this. Verse 3, 40 days, he's made appearances. And, uh, and then he promises the Holy Spirit in verse 5. These elements together, friends. The resurrection of Christ the promise of the Holy Spirit, the longing that the disciples had to be released from the Roman leadership that was ruling over them in their country of Israel, their nation, all led to a longing on the part of the disciples for the kingdom of Israel to be restored. We see in verse 6, so when they come together, The disciples had all come together. They asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this now the time? Now is when you're going to come back and send the Romans away and free our nation of Israel. Establish your kingdom on earth. And Jesus, in verse 7 then, teaches that in life, In life, there will be many, many things that we will not understand about God's ways, His timing, His purposes, how His plan is working out. He said, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by His own authority. What will become of America, this nation in which we live? In the wake of of gay marriage, an ungodly leadership, terrorist activity, what's going to happen? Jesus says, friends, don't worry. Don't worry about the future, about things beyond your control. God is in control. 
God is the one who has all authority. And so we are called to, by Jesus, embrace God's sovereign authority. To trust in him. Instead of stressing about or, or being distracted by things that are really beyond our control. Jesus says, stay on target with the things that you can control. Which, he says, notice verse 8 begins with the word, but, but you. You can control what kind of witness you are in the world. You can't control God's sovereign authority that he has over the timing of things and what's going to happen in the, the future. And, but, but you can control your witness, so focus on these things. God determines ultimate issues and we must trust him. Secondly, God grants power by his spirit and we must lean on him. We must lean on him. Notice he says in verse 8, but you will receive power. You will receive power. It's a guarantee from Jesus as we are sent out as witnesses. Jesus promises that we'll receive the power that we need by the Holy Spirit. He's already told the disciples in verses 4 and 5 that they're to wait for the Holy Spirit. And his point here, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. His point is that you will not be able to do the things that I am calling you to do in your own power. In my own power. It's not going to be possible. You're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. This, this word for power here used in our text is the Greek word dunamis. From which we actually get the, the word dynamite. We're going to need the explosive power of the Holy Spirit to be effective witnesses in the world. It's the point Jesus makes in, in uh, Mark 13 as he's talking to his followers. When they bring you to trial and deliver you over, he says, Do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say. I think a lot of us would be quite nervous at that point when we're brought to trial for our faith, knowing this long line of people who have been crucified and killed for their faith. He says, don't be nervous, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. You know, two months ago, I was in Cairo, Egypt, uh, we're training a, a group of young Sudanese men to study and to preach God's word well. That's, that's what I do. I train African pastors to study and preach God's word well. Pastors that have received no training whatsoever. It's an amazing, amazing process seeing these young men grow in, in their own faith and their understanding of how to handle God's word well. And in a short time after that training, they would be returning to their home context of Sudan, North Sudan, South Sudan, to do church planting in completely unreached areas, and they would be facing intense persecution. That's what they had in store for them. And I'll tell you, my friends, that success in ministry, whether you're church planting or you're reaching out to your neighbor, 
Success in ministry, success in effective witness requires the power of the Holy Spirit. In Sudan, just like in Prescott, Arizona. Ability is helpful. Strategy is useful. And, and resources make things comfortable. But the Spirit of God is essential. Amen? Amen. And Jesus promises the Spirit of God as we obey Him, which is where we go next. Point number three, God calls us to be His witnesses, and we must obey Him. In verse 8, we see, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, what is a witness? I've already indicated that a witness is one who gives testimony or a firsthand accounting of something that, that we have experienced. Now, we can't be witnesses in the same sense as the apostles were, for, for we have not physically seen the resurrected Lord in front of us. However, we can absolutely share what we know to be true. It's what we read in the book of Acts later on in Acts chapter 8. It says, There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered all throughout the region, regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles were there, but everyone else, all the followers of Jesus, were scattered abroad. And what did they do when they were scattered? Verse 4 says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. They shared what they knew to be true. We are witnesses of Christ, my friends. Whether good witnesses or bad witnesses, we are witnesses. Let me give you just a, a few brief thoughts on how to be a good witness. You're, we're a good witness, first of all, as we, you must share what you know. To be a good witness, you must share what you know. You don't talk about things you don't understand. Don't get into the eschatological implications of Ezekiel. Unless you really know that stuff. And you can teach me too. But the point is, share what you do know. Share what you know. Notice it says in, in verse 8, You will be whose witnesses? My witnesses. Who's talking? Jesus talking. We are witnesses to Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ? That's maybe the first question we need to ask today. There may be some today who do not know Jesus. You're not going to be an effective witness if you don't know Jesus. And the better you know him, the more effective your witness will be. And so Jesus calls us to be his witnesses, to point people to Jesus to draw people to Jesus. Don't get caught up in argumentations about things that are far less important than the Lord and Savior of the universe. Jesus uh, reminds us then, secondly, that um, to be a good witness is you must open your mouth. You must share what you know and you must open your mouth. Certainly, friends, you can be a good, good witness by, by, through your actions, but you're not going to fully communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ 
if you don't open your mouth and share who Jesus is. Point people to the word of God and the Christ revealed through the word. Jesus commissions his followers to, in in the gospel of Mark, for the early part of Mark, he's telling people, be quiet. The time isn't now. Just wait. And then finally, in Mark 16, verse 15, he says, he calls his, his followers to proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now is when you open your mouth and you let it out. Proclaim the gospel to all people. And then thirdly, uh, a thought is to be a good witness, you must take risks. You must take risks. Friends, you must be more concerned with, care more about the glory of God and the eternal destiny of the people around you than your own social acceptability, what people are going to think of you, than the political correctness. You must be driven, driven by the fact that these people are going into an eternity separated from God if they do not know Jesus. Our fourth point then, our fourth point is that God sends us into the world and we must speak for him. God sends us out into the world and we must speak for him. Notice he says in verse 8, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are witnesses in the world, not somehow above the world, like we are outside above other people. We've got everything figured out and we're going to tell you what the deal is. No, we're right in there with people. We are walking shoulder to shoulder with them. We have been changed by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And we share about that change with others around us. My friends, the reality is that our witness flows best through relationships. As we are walking this road with others, that's when our witness flows so well. It's the point Paul makes on a very important passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5, you can just jot that reference down, look it up later. Verses 20 and 21, therefore, Paul says, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. God is speaking through you when you point other people to Jesus Christ. And what is the message we're to share? He says in verse 21, For our sake, he made him, God made Jesus Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. And where are we to do this? Well, Luke communicates that it starts locally and expands globally. In Jerusalem... In our home context, you know, sometimes home is the most difficult place, the least comfortable place to share a witness for Jesus Christ, but it is the place that we start. Jesus had a world of difficulty in his Jerusalem of Nazareth. You remember when he went there and preached? But it starts there and it expands out. Notice he, he, he doesn't say you're to be witnesses in Jerusalem or in Judea 
in Samaria or to the ends of the earth. No, it's and, and, and. We're to be witnesses in all of these places, in all Judea and Samaria, expanding in sort of concentric circles, including those from different backgrounds, maybe different cultures, ethnicities, stretching out to the ends of the earth. No place on earth is excluded from the witness of Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. The mission statement here at, at Cornerstone Church, their missions movement is to awaken the missionary in everyone. Friends, we are all missionaries. You, right where you live, you're a missionary, called by God, sent out by God to be a witness in the world, both here and to the ends of the earth. You know, we're all each of us are, are one small piece in the, the grand puzzle of God's global activity. But I'll tell you, if you've worked on puzzles, that one missing piece is so very disappointing. Don't be that missing piece, my friends. I've traveled and, uh, and worked with people from, I think, about 46, 47 different countries around the world. Now I'm focused in the, in the continent of Africa. And I tell you that people all over the world are hungry for an effective witness pointing people to Jesus Christ. So, a final thought with you. A final thought. A thought developing the heart of God for the world. You know, we've all heard these messages before, probably, if, if we've been around the church at all. You know, you need to share your, your faith. faith uh, uh, go out and preach Christ with others. And maybe we're doing it. Maybe we aren't. What makes the difference? Well, I'll tell you, drumming up some sort of motivation to do something that you really don't want to do. Or for me to use, use guilt somehow to coerce you. Into, into being sort of a reluctant witness, all these things are going to fall short. The issue is, what's in your heart? What's in your heart? The most important step to being an effective witness for Jesus Christ in the world is to share in the heart of God. Remember that heart of God was communicated in 1 Timothy, who desires all people to be saved, and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The more connected we are with, with God's heart for the lost, aching over the things that pain the heart of God, rejoicing when lost sinners repent. Friends, the more we share in God's heart, the more effective our witness will be in the world. You know, I, I want to share with you just a, a little bit. I wish I had my African brothers here that could communicate uh, some with you because I have learned so much from them. It's, it's amazing. I, I, many of them are outstanding examples of, of loving others as they witness about Jesus Christ to them. Loving others the way that God loves them. And it catapults them forward in their effective witness, pointing people to Jesus Christ. At one point, I was in northern Uganda, just a few kilometers south of South Sudan, 
working with a, a group of church leaders from that region. In the afternoon, one afternoon, they, they took uh, me, me wandering to a, a local refugee camp right on the border of South Sudan and, and Uganda. This refugee camp was filled with thousands upon thousands of displaced South Sudanese who had fled their homeland years before because of, of war. And the pain on the pastor's faces was so obvious as we went from one hut to the next to the next, caring for people's needs, praying for those who were hurting, showing Christ's love to those who were struggling. Those pastors spoke the words of truth and then backed them up by showing God's love with what we might call our, the least of these. And that afternoon, hundreds of people heard and experienced the gospel through God's witnesses who shared in the heart of God. You know, from, from Genesis stretching all the way to Revelation, the heartbeat of God for the lost is absolutely an undeniable dominant theme. So do you share in his heart for the lost? What are the things that impassion you? What are the things that, that grieve you? Are you following the Father's heart? Because if you do, then it's going to flow naturally. It's going to flow freely from your heart in your effective witness for, for Christ, both locally and globally. Our point again, God is calling you and me to be local and global witnesses of Christ by the power of the Spirit working in us as we reflect God's heart in the world. Will you join me and let's pray together? Our Father, we humbly bow before you because you are sovereign. You are great above all and we submit to your authority. Turn us away from being distracted by and worried about things that are beyond our control and instead to be consumed with things that are under our control to be effective witnesses. And yet, Father, we confess to you that that we fall short time and time again of communicating the message that we need to communicate. So, Father, I pray now that you would send an extra measure of your Spirit. May your grace be upon us, for we have been changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we desperately desire those around us and in our Judean Samaria and to the ends of the earth to come to know you and have the hope of eternal life, even as you have granted that to us. So empower us, commission us, and send us out in mis as missionaries into our world, all for your honor and glory. In the name of the risen and reigning Lord and Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, 
visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.